0: I would say those parents just starting out, first take a break, then figure out what your kids are amazing at and add that subject back in and then add another subject that they're pretty good at and keep adding in until they're so confident in their learning that you can start to bring up the things with which they struggled by virtue of kind of a backdoor approach through their strengths.
1: Welcome to Till Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reaver, and I am really excited to share this episode with you. If you have a gifted or a 2 child that maybe you're homeschooling or maybe you're considering homeschooling, you may already know about my guest, Colleen Kessler, Colleen is a mom, a teacher, an author, a speaker, and the founder of the website Raising Lifelong Learners. She taught elementary gifted kids for more than a decade and has homeschooled her own gifted children. Colleen has written a lot of books for homeschooling families. She hosts the Raising Lifelong Learners podcast, and she also has some virtual courses for parents, including a new one that she's going to tell us a little bit about called A Crash Course for Homeschooling That Kid think we know who that kid is. It's my kid. It's probably many of your kids as well. So as you'll hear from this conversation, Colleen and I, we really just scratched the surface. So I will definitely have her back on the show. But for today, we cover a lot of ground, including how to get started setting up your homeschool, what are some of the special considerations, what it actually might look like, and just some questions to consider if you are considering going down this route. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, and now without further ado, here is my conversation with Colleen. Hey, Colleen, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you're someone that before I started Tilt Parenting, I was reading your blog and keeping up with you because I was parenting um, and homeschooling a, a differently wired little guy. And so I think your resources are great. And I feel like this conversation is long overdue. So thank you
0: for joining us today. Oh, thanks for saying that. It's um, It was fun to discover Tilt when you first started. So I felt the same way, you know, that this kind of synergy that we have going and that we've needed to connect long before this.
1: Well, hopefully, this is the first of many conversations. But in case our listeners aren't familiar with you and your work, can you just take a few minutes to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are as a parent,
0: and also the work that you do in the world within this community? Sure. Okay, so I am the founder and host of uh, the Raising Lifelong Learners website and podcast, And that was born out of kind of my own foray into homeschooling, a differently wired kiddo. We pulled my oldest out of school, traditional school in the middle of first grade. And I was scrambling to figure out what I was doing. And I started writing about it because prior to that, I had been a gifted intervention specialist for 10 years and a classroom teacher before that, and was freelance writing for the educational market. I was writing books for Proofrock Press and Corwin Press and some other places that were a great fit for my background in gifted education. And then I found myself homeschooling this profoundly gifted and twice exceptional kiddo and naturally just started writing about it. And the site grew out of the... the the story started resonating with others who found themselves homeschooling differently wired kiddos. And so I started writing more about that. And now, oh, gosh, like seven, eight years later, I speak at homeschooling conventions and parenting conferences about the everyday living and homeschooling those kind of quirky differently wired kiddos. So I just
1: have to ask, what is a gifted intervention specialist? I've never heard that title before.
0: So um, I mean, my master's degree is in gifted education, and uh, I studied at Kent State University under Jim Delisle and really put my focus on the social and emotional needs of gifted kids, uh, particularly those who are twice exceptional and struggle with anxiety and sensory processing challenges and impulsivity issues and just the social and emotional stuff that goes along with that in conjunction with how that affects families. And so my background educationally was um, as an intervention specialist. And so uh, what I did in my role was I worked with teachers and parents to kind of help their kids who were identified and sometimes not identified. Sometimes there are those kids who are quirky and we know there's something going on and we know that they're cognitively gifted or there's this thing that is not being measured by the tests that is showing that they need some kind of intervention and accommodation. And so I work with the parents and the teachers to modify their curriculum to make school a success for them. And so I did kind of the traditional gifted education where I pulled kids out, but I also did the district that I worked in was very forward thinking. And I worked with parents and teachers to modify the curriculum within the classroom so kids didn't have to have a redundant education. And they could have their needs met when they weren't with me in that one hour pullout a week.
1: So interesting. So it sounds like you were kind of the ideal parent to your child to pull them out and homeschool them. And, you know, I started homeschooling Asher after second grade. So around the same time, I'm curious Would you mind just sharing what your reasons were for making that decision
0: to pull your son out and homeschool him? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, It's interesting because you say that I was ideally suited and I almost feel like so many times my background has gotten in the way of my openness to meet my kiddo where he is because I think as parents, we naturally want to fix problems and help our kids fit in and so I found myself doing that with my son early on when he was um, and just for listeners uh, I have four kids my oldest is almost 17 and then my next oldest is 11 so there's a gap between them so he was kind of for all intents and purposes during this time an only child he was the only one in school and so I focus a lot on him because he was the catalyst but I was hyper-focused on his behavior challenges. In preschool and kindergarten, he was all over the place. He was very impulsive. We sought help for attention challenges and uh, hyperactivity and tried a bunch of different things. We went through a couple different psychologists who weren't a really good fit for us. They just didn't see him as, as a whole being. And we knew that something was missing. But even during all of that, the gifted specialist in me missed the profound giftedness because i was so heavily steeped in that world of working with gifted kids that his conversations were just normal to me um he was my only and these were the types of kids i had worked with for so long that i overlooked how different that actually is from neurotypical and i was focused on what was keeping him from being successful in the classroom and it wasn't until our third psychologist looked at me she was a person who specialized in gifted. And she looked at me and she said, you know, he is probably profoundly gifted, don't you? And it was like my world fell out from underneath me because I didn't. I had totally overlooked that. He was just who he was. And so we went through a whole battery of testing to find out, yes, indeed, he is profoundly gifted. And then he ticked off a lot of markers for impulsivity and anxiety and sensory processing disorder. And so When we were faced with these results, we went back to the school and they looked at us like, sorry, we can't do anything for that because his behavior is so out of control. And that particular district was not like the district that I had worked in, where we met our kids where they were and tried to accommodate whatever their needs were. They were a straight gifted starts in third grade. You have to test in based on our tests. Your behavior has to be under control. So that you can function in the one hour a week pullout program that we offer for third grade and above. But in first grade, too bad, too sad. You need to sit in your desk and you need to follow directions. And so we tried hard, actually, at that point to keep him in school because that's what we thought we did. That we didn't know any homeschoolers at the time. And I'll never forget it because he got off the bus with tears streaming down his face the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week and he said, if I can't even have an all green week on a two day week, I will never earn tiger cash, which was the <laughs> currency of his first grade classroom. And in order to earn the tiger cash, to earn the the treats at the end of the month, you had to have a perfect week. And we know as educators that that's totally unreasonable for a first grader to do anyway, let alone somebody who is differently wired. And so we started researching homeschooling then. Um, And I'd like to say I pulled him out right then and there, but I didn't because I'm a planner and I need to understand what I'm doing before I do it. And so I spent November and December and January learning everything that I could about homeschooling and we pulled him after his February conference.
1: Wow. So okay, so there's a couple of things I just want to quickly circle back on one is you mentioned profoundly gifted, and I'm actually doing an episode with two folks from the Davidson Institute Young Scholars Program on profound giftedness. But can you just explain because it's it's a big difference? Can you very simply explain what profound giftedness is versus regular? I don't know, I'm using air quotes, <laughs> regular giftedness. I don't know, you know, just that that difference
0: there. Sure. Um, Okay, so when I explain this to people that I meet at conferences, I kind of draw in the air a bell curve. And we talk about how the reason bell curves statistically work is because there's a standard kind of distribution of really any statistic. And so when you're looking at IQ scores, which is what we're looking at when we clinically classify kids as gifted, the center of that bell curve is what we would say neurotypical or average people are um, and then two standard deviations below that average is where we have kids who, who struggle mentally and um, learning wise. And so they need accommodations based on those special needs. And then two standard deviations above average on that imaginary bell curve that we've just drawn is our cutoff for giftedness. And so gifted kids are just like normal, as you said, gifted kids are two standard deviations above average. They're equally discrepant from the average as those kids who get accommodations in the special needs department. So they're special needs kids too. But then when we're talking about profoundly gifted, we're talking about even another standard deviation or more past that. So we're getting this brain wiring that's already different from neurotypical and they're like even more different. So depending on the test and depending on who you're talking to, there's different cutoffs for each. But we're going to suffice it to say that they are even more differently wired than a statistically like cut off at the edge of two standard deviations gifted kit. Does that help? That's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and just to clarify for listeners, too, that's not the focus of this conversation. But I I always try to ask questions that my listeners might be wanting more information on. So thank you for, for that explanation, it's was very clear. And again, I will be if you want to hear more on this listeners, I'll be doing an episode just on this issue soon. So another thing I just wanted to circle back on that kind of leads to one of my questions is, if a parent is in this situation, I think we all anyone who's homeschooling their child, we've all had our own you know, internal debate or discussion with our partner, if we have a partner, what's the right thing? Should we do this? You know, for me, I had a friend who's an educator telling me for a year and a half that I should be homeschooling Asher, and I just was not open to that idea at all. Um, <laughs> and you talked about that you didn't pull them out right away. You know, for listeners who are wondering, what are some of the signs that they should be paying attention to that would kind of lean heavily in favor of, you know, if it's possible financially and otherwise to homeschool a child, that would be signs so that it could be
0: the right move for them? That's a good question. Um, I would say that the first thing you want to do, no matter what, whether you're thinking about homeschooling or not, you, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, your kids are differently wired in some way. They're just not presenting the same way as the kid down the street or next door or your brother's child or whatever. And so I would say as soon as you have that kind of gut feeling that something isn't working right, that you just really become a student of your kid, you really start watching them and, you know, making mental notes or even actual notes in, you know, your bullet journal or your planner or a notebook or whatever, and start to see where those discrepancies are Coming and what kinds of things you can put into place to help them manage those situations. And as you start to really watch your kid and observe your kid, you'll start to see what is working and what isn't. And then it becomes more and more apparent where those bigger challenges lie. So for us, to be kind of more specific, He was doing what a lot of kids who are labeled preliminarily as ADHD or whatever do, falling out of his seat, breaking his pencils, interrupting the teacher a million times. But when we really took a deeper look, it was in certain situations. Uh, Those kinds of behaviors were happening more when the class was focusing on lessons that he had mastered with one or two repetitions. Um downtime when everybody was working quietly on their paper pencil work, which for a gifted kid, particularly a profoundly gifted kid is kind of excruciating. If we're doing extra practice on something that they've already mastered, they want to move on. If they've reached mastery, they want to move on. Or in contrast to that, they don't want to do it at all, because they want to focus on whatever it is their brain has focused on. Um, have you talked a, about asynchrony in Differently Wired Kids that much on the show?
1: Yeah, in various episodes, but feel free to share anything you want to share on that. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes and anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome.
0: yeah so our our gifted kids are twice exceptional kids they they tend to be well are differently wired kids overall really tend to be asynchronous and that's kind of one of the hallmark characteristics of a gifted kid is they learn things at different paces like socially emotionally academically physically they could be all over the place they can be presenting in various ways socially, emotionally, physically, mentally, intellectually. So they could look like, you know, fine and and gross motor wise, a much younger student than they actually are. But then when they're one on one in a topic that they've been deeply interested in, they're light years ahead of same age peers intellectually in that area, whereas then they are doing a subject that they're not interested in, and they're breaking their pencils and falling out of their seats and being the class clown. So we're looking for patterns of behavior in our kids. And a signal that the traditional school setting might not be a good fit is that those behaviors aren't calmed down or pulled under control when their academic needs are being met. Like just the overall box of sitting in a desk and listening to a lecture and then doing the practice problems and then taking the practice problems that weren't finished home or extra practice problems to do homework then is not really a good fit and you're getting a lot of meltdowns at home. Like maybe they're holding it together for their teacher and falling apart when they get home or being incredibly disruptive in the classroom and then so happy and so deeply interested in topics of their own choosing when they get home. So just that there's some kind of discrepancy that is following a good pattern. Um, It's really hard. That's a good question because it's really hard to tease out just one one or two things that are good signals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think a lot of it is also, for many of us, we have to kind of accept, you know, that this might be the right thing, and deal with our own resistance to the idea. And that's just one piece. There's logistics, there's a lot of pieces that I know, for me, I felt just incredibly overwhelmed, you know, and my friend who was encouraging me, she's like, Debbie, there are people who can help you do this. And I but I was like, but I don't know where to find them. And I, you know, I just, the idea of looking at this blank slate and feeling also this pressure that suddenly now I need to be responsible for this person, this bright, brilliant human, it's on me now to make sure their needs are met. That just was incredibly daunting to me. So Maybe you could speak to that. Like when I imagine that you work with parents who are just starting out, you know, where, where should parents start if they've decided, okay, I do think this is what's best, but I'm overwhelmed with even knowing how to begin or what kind of a curriculum I should create or should I be an unschooler or an eclectic homeschooler? Should I do a co-op? I'm, are there some best practices
0: when it comes to starting this journey?
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: that you're right. I get a lot of questions like that. And I think that that is probably one of the most common conversations that I have when I'm at live events, when I'm at homeschooling conferences and conventions, like where do I even begin? Because the truth of the matter is there is no gifted curriculum. And anybody that is trying to sell you like a boxed curriculum that encompasses all you need to have your gifted kid perform does not understand differently wired brains. Because that whole asynchrony piece, right, you're going to be forced just by your kiddo's very nature to pick and choose from different areas and different levels and different modalities. And so I think the very first thing that any parent who is in that position of I've got to homeschool now or I want to homeschool because I know that this is the right thing or I'm thinking about trying to homeschool, the, the very first thing that we need to do as parents is just step back. Just stop for a minute. Don't dive headfirst into buying all the things. Just stop. There is a practice called deschooling that um, I haven't written about a lot. I've mentioned it here and there in different posts and articles and conversations I've had. I'm working on like an actual post about it because the conversation comes up so often. But deschooling, Google it, look up deschooling. And people say, who are huge proponents of de-schooling say you need at least, what is it? A month maybe for every year your yeah, kiddo has that schooled.
1: familiar, yeah.
0: And it really is true because it breaks both you and your kid out of that paradigm of education is something that happens to me and not education is something that's all around us because it's, it's kind of drilled out. Like most of our differently wired kids have some kind of love of learning Just this intrinsic desire to know things might not be a traditional academic thing, but it's there. It's kind of innate. And then they go to school and that innate quality, that gift is kind of hammered out of them because they need to sit still and they need to learn whatever is being taught that day. And so we need to step back and we need to bring that enjoyment back to our differently wired kids. We need them to know, even if they don't enjoy it, because they've been... I don't know, my son was beaten down. He just was. And I know that a lot of parents who find themselves there from a background like my own son's, they're beaten down too. And they just need to break free from some of that. That learning is something that happens to me and not something that I have an active part in. And so I say just take a break, go to museums, go for walks, talk to your kid, watch documentaries. Watch movies and talk about the special effects that are involved in them. Figure out what is making your kid excited and light up again. And then start to build from there just a little bit at a time. And don't start with whatever it is that they've struggled with over the years. Start with the things they're good at. Because when we start from a place of strength, we build confidence super quickly, and it's totally the opposite of what we as teachers had to do in a school setting. We had to teach to the the deficit so we could bring them up. And now that we're homeschooling, we're able to teach to the strengths. And those deficits come up. My my nine year old is a perfect example. She if she were in school, she would be labeled as having a learning disability. Um, She does. She's dyslexic and she has an auditory processing disorder. I would wager to bet if we did put her through a full neuropsych exam, she would test into the gifted range creatively, cognitively, imaginationally, imaginationally, that's a new word, <laughs> um, because she's just such a good storyteller, such a good maker of scenarios, but she is just becoming an independent reader and she'll be 10 in 2 months and I didn't have to focus on the reading to make her reach some arbitrary benchmark we could focus on her storytelling i got her an amazon echo dot that could help her spell she asks alexa to spell words for her so she can write stories and we got to find new ways to help her do the things she loved and she's been picking up books for herself lately and I'm not saying that we didn't work on her reading, but we didn't make it the focus. She doesn't have a problem telling people she can't read yet. She just asks people for help. Whereas if she were in school, that deficit would have been highlighted for her first and second and third grade year. And she'd be going into fourth grade right now thinking already she's behind in a failure. And she's going into fourth grade right now confident that she's a great storyteller and a good creator of play. So I would say to those parents just starting out, first take a break. Then figure out what your kids are amazing at and add that subject back in. And then add another subject that they're pretty good at. And keep adding in until they're so confident in their learning that you can start to bring up the things with which they struggled by virtue of kind of a backdoor approach through their strengths.
1: I love that. Reminder to stop, I think that I'm just uh, reflecting on my own experience. And I remember just feeling, again, this pressure that I had to do right by my child. And I mean, he was nine, you know, but I was so stressed about, you know, we're not doing enough, or we didn't do enough school, you know, and, and this same friend <laughs> who convinced mm-hmm. me to homeschool be like, Debbie, take a break it's okay. Like, she she was the one who was the voice of reason, like, she's like, you have plenty of time. And in fact, in a real classroom, very little work time actually happens, especially in elementary school, there's so much transition and things. So she's like, you can accomplish so much in a short period of time, too. So I like that reminder to take a break, take a breather, let you both kind of recover from what may have been a traumatic school exit, and then starting with the strength. So I'm wondering, Again, you know, this is something you have personal experience with, and this is also the work that you do in the world. You know, I hear from people in my community about the challenges related to homeschooling when siblings are at different places, or maybe one sibling is differently wired and and another isn't. I hear about parents feeling really stuck if their child is demonstrating that they're not feeling super motivated and a child feels like it's hurting their relationship because they're becoming a nag. I'm curious to know what some of the bigger challenges you have encountered, or have experience with and any advice. I, that's a ginormous question. That's like 20 <laughs> episodes. So let's see, maybe share with me two of the biggest challenges that you think parents commonly come up against and what they can do about them.
0: Yeah, we'll have to have like a mini series. I yeah, think. pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, because those those are the exact same challenges that I find in my inbox from subscribers and followers and people that I've met at conventions all the time. And they're the same ones that I've struggled with. And that's the one thing that I want to say before I even go on and offer suggestions is I struggle too. I I have the background, like you said, but I have people living with me who are very differently wired and they're going to do the same things your kids and your followers' kids and your listeners and my listeners' kids are doing because they're quirky and they're differently wired and they have their own kind of agenda and purpose and it's normal. So that whole struggle is normal. And if I could reach into the homes of every single person who is homeschooling a differently wired kid, I would just like put my arms around that mom and say, hey, You are actually the perfect person to help your kiddo thrive in this area. And you can do it. We all can. It's just not gonna necessarily look like your neighbors or be easy. So I, I just want to say that first. So I think the biggest thing that we need to remember when we're we're homeschooling these kids, right? They're they're different. They're different than average, we talked about, or, or neurotypical, we talked about that bell curve, but they're they're just as different from each other as they are from that neurotypical. And if you've got one gifted kid, you likely have, or one differently wired kid, you likely have more than one because statistically, uh, back to the statistics again, um, gifted kids tend to fall plus or minus uh, 10 points of one another when you're grouping siblings together. So focusing on the differences, the different strengths within your family is going to help you tremendously. It's also probably going to be one of those biggest hurdles that you're, you're jumping over because you're going to have kids who are wired so differently from each other and the norm that you're left scrambling and scratching your head all the time. So focusing on each of those kids' strengths within the earshot of each other is going to help you a lot. My nine-year-old who struggles with reading owns that. She owns that that is a struggle with her, and she also owns that she is a tremendous artist. Uh, My 11-year-old, who I swear came out of the womb reading, she can read anything. She can internalize anything. Her characterization is beautiful, which is why she is this amazing performer in musical theater right now. Um, She can't draw to save her life. My oldest is launching a freelance business in video editing. And he's amazing. He's amazing. He's doing work for me now. And I'm paying him. This is a really weird juxtaposition (laughs) here. Um, But focusing on each of those strengths and letting them know, yeah, that is what you're good at. But dude, you struggle here. And it is okay to own that you struggle here. And you're amazing there. Because we need all those pieces to make up our family and build the richness of our homeschool. So if we focus on what you know, you're good at, and you can help us out when we're working on drawing or adding to our journals or our, our, you know, nature things. And you can help us if we're involved in something in theater camp, and you can help us when we want to pull it all together in a video, then we can build this kind of collaborative feel to our family and celebrate each of our Differently Wired Kids amazing qualities so that when they start talking to each other or they start getting on each other's nerves, they can be like, okay, wait, but you're good at this. So maybe we need a break and we need to go back to what you were good at. Could you help me? I need to try this new special effect out on my videos and you're a great actress. Can you go in the backyard and pretend to die from a laser beam? And I can edit that in and see how, how I can you know use this. So helping them to be collaborative and appreciate each other's strengths is going to help kind of mitigate some of that fighting when you have kids who are at different levels and um, have different abilities in your homeschool. Mm-hmm.
1: So as you're talking, I'm just I have so many questions, and we don't we don't have time for them. So I'm just gonna put you on the spot and say, will you come back in the future? (laughs) And like, I would just love to know how you like, how you run your school, like what your favorite resources are and and what your curriculum looks like just to kind of peek inside would is that something you would consider doing for us? Yeah, I would love that. That would be fun. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Sorry, sorry to put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> so but but before we go, I'd love to know if you have any favorite resources just off the bat that, that parents should go to. And I also have the inside scoop that you are about to launch a new course that is also completely in line with this conversation and might be the perfect solution for some of our listeners. So can you share a couple favorite resources and tell us about the course you're launching?
0: Yeah, so there are some great resources for parents of differently wired kids, particularly those who are gifted, that I recommend to parents all of the time. Interestingly, the vast majority of gifted resources tend to focus on parenting and advocating for those kids who are still in a school setting. So I think that that's somewhere that our population is going and getting better at pulling resources together for the homeschooling piece. But it's still one of those things where when you read a resource, you need to kind of keep in mind that they're talking mostly to parents who have kids in school, but there's so much you can still glean from those resources. One of my very favorite books to recommend is a book by Christine Fonseca, um, Emotional Intensity and Gifted Students. I think she does a really great job of breaking down some of those intensities that you're going to see on a day-to-day basis and gives you some really practical ways to help kids advocate for themselves and kind of bring a little bit of peace to that intense world that they're living in. But you need to read it knowing that she's talking to students. She's talking to parents who have kids in a school setting. So there's just so many great gold nuggets in that book that I recommend that to everybody. Royal Firework Press is a great resource for curriculum ideas, knowing though, if you keep just keep in mind, though, that. You're going to need to pick and choose based on where your kids are. Michael Clay Thompson has a great literature and grammar program. um, And they have some good resources. Living with Intensity is a great resource that they've put out. Nope, they didn't put that one out. That one was put out by Great Potential Press. Um, Off the Charts was from Royal Firework Press. And then the Gifted Homeschoolers Forum has some good resources. Not so formulaic if you have readers who are Catholic homeschooling gifted and twice exceptional children. Ginny is a Catholic mom who focuses on that aspect of giftedness as well as the homeschooling piece. Um, And then my little poppies, my friend Kate um, over there, she talks a lot about games, game schooling, bringing a a literature-rich education to your differently-wired kids. She was a school psychologist who has profoundly gifted kids of her own. My site has a bunch, Raising Lifelong Learners, and I am launching – a course that I had kind of a a little launch in January with some followers to help me tweak it and make it even better. And I'm super excited for the revisions that have gone on to that. It is called A Crash Course for Homeschooling That Kid. And it's all about kind of suddenly finding yourself unexpectedly homeschooling your differently wired kid. Or even if you're already in the trenches, giving you kind of a new perspective for building your own prescriptive kind of curriculum and methodology of homeschooling. And that will be released late July, early August. And uh, I have a coupon code that TILT listeners can use if they want for 20% off of it when it's finally launched. um, They can just type in TILT at the coupon code, and I'll give you a link to that.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, I'm just like, why was that course not available? Six <laughs> years ago, almost six years ago to the day is when I started my homeschooling journey. And boy, what I would have given to have access to that. But um that's really exciting. And thank you. That's very generous to offer a code to tilt listeners. Listeners, I will have a link to that in the show notes page if you want to check it out. And yeah, this should be airing in early August. So hopefully everything will be live and you guys can check that out. So, thank you, Colleen. And any last words of wisdom, advice, um a little nugget if you will to
0: leave our listeners with before we say goodbye? Yeah. I would love for listeners to know that they really are totally equipped and capable of homeschooling a differently wired kiddo because There's no one, there's no teacher, there's no resource specialist, there's no psychologist, there's nobody on earth that is going to love their kid like they can. And there are so many people, like your wise friend told you, I wish everybody, I wish I had had that person at my elbow when I had started homeschooling because it really is true. There's someone out there, no matter what it is your kiddo needs, there's someone out there that you can find to help them get that need met And you're the only person who would go to any length to find that right person for your kid. And so trust yourself, really trust that you can totally do this.
1: I love that. Thank you. I'm sure those are just the words that many people need to hear right now. I think we all need to remember that we have what it takes to give our child what they need. So thanks for that reminder. And thank you so much for just sharing all of this today and for also agreeing to come back. So (laughs) I look forward to part two of this down the road. But in the meantime, thanks for
0: coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to coming back.
1: You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including a link to Colleen's website, Raising Lifelong Learners, her books, her new course she just told us about, a crash course in homeschooling That Kid, as well as all the resources we discussed today, visit tiltparenting.com/slash session one sixty-nine. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review or both for Tilt Parenting on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Those ratings and reviews help keep this podcast visible in an ever-growing sea of podcasts. Thank you so much for considering. Lastly, for the price of a coffee at your local coffee shop once a month, you can support the production of this show. It's easy, it's pain-free, I promise, and I would be grateful for the help. So to learn more, go to patreon.com slash tilt And that's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. And for more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wannabe Clutter Free